was that the children of the prostitutes would be the sacrifices that were laid on the altar to Paul. Not their kids. The prostitutes' kids. So the women kind of, okay, you have to take a little good with the bad. And the entire country in the north was given over to this weird, wacko, makes no sense kind of worship. It looked the same, but it wasn't the same. And the climate was one of except kind of an ending. Now before I
the enemy is circulating this same type of falseness under the guise of inclusion and love. And we accept everything. Everybody. There's no perfect people. We're, we're just, uh, you know, we accept anything. If you've got a problem, we're the place for you. Well, that's true in one sense. God has a cure for the sin that ails us. But it doesn't mean that just accepting those things gets you saved. How do, how do we get saved? Is it through everybody saying, well, God gets us. It's, it, he gets us. It's, it's uh, you know, He understands us. He does, but not like that. Yeah, but not like that. Yeah, they, they perverted the message. So, into this climate of spiritual harlotry in the northern kingdom, God sends Hosea. And he instructs him to marry a woman who's in that kingdom, in that climate, in that situation. It does not mean, and as you read carefully the scripture, it does not mean that she was a harlot or a prostitute when he married her. doesn't necessarily say that. Someone who's in that system. And we find that, he says, and have children of harlotry. <coughs> she didn't have any children, according to the scriptures, until she had those three with Hosea. You understand what I'm saying? Go and marry a woman of the harlotry. Somebody who's in that system. And here's Hosea, whose name means Savior, going into a hostile area and drawing someone out to marry them and to love them. And then ultimately she goes back to the system. And he has to go back and get her again. Uh, so the, the concept here is not that he said, well, we're just going to violate all the words of Scripture under the Old Covenant, which say don't go to a prostitute, don't have anything to do with a prostitute, don't make your kids a prostitute, and say, well, God changed his mind on this one little occasion, this was okay. No, it put fits in with the scriptural pattern here. God is saying the whole place is nothing but a harlot's den. Since you go into the midst of it, you marry, you find someone, you fall in love with them, you marry them, you have children, you draw them out from that. That's what God wants to do. Amen? God wants to draw Israel back to Him being the, the groom. And then be the bride. So, he goes and he finds, what's her name? Gomer. Gomer. Thank you. Thank you. You remember from last week. Thank you. It's not Gomer. It's not. It's not Gomer. It's not Gomer Pile. It's Gomer. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Hosea is told to marry a woman of that land, that 
one true God. Have a family together. And he marries Gomer. Gomer. And everything seems to be going all right for a while. And then we have problems. Well, they have three children. How many of you remember the... Are we cold? Yes. Okay, can somebody hit the heat? Somebody hit the heat up. Is the back door shut to the room? Yes. Okay. Punch it up until you hear, see flames coming out. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, okay, there you go. All right. So, it's three children. How many of you remember the interesting times of naming your kids? Anybody remember? Yes. Was that a challenge for you? It was a challenge for us. Why is naming your children a challenge? Because they'll have that name for the rest of their lives. Yeah, they're going to have that name for a while. I wish some people would think of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, any other reasons why it's a, a challenge? you got to make sure your initials don't... Don't spell something bad. <laughs> See you. You've all been there. You've, you've been there. It's it's a it's an interesting process. Well, I can't name him that. I have a cousin that's a real jerk, and I don't want to you know honor them in that way. And all all kinds of interesting challenges. My uh, pastor growing up uh, told me to give your children a name they can live up to. Oh yeah. Uh, that wasn't the case here. The three kids had prophetic names. So that every time Hosea or Gomer went outside to call the kids for supper. Any of you have that part of your history? Your history? Anybody? Nobody? Am I the only one? That... Kenny! Mary! Tom! You know, she called the roll time for supper. And we were out doing such important stuff. You know, like playing. But they call the roll. So every time Hosea goes outside, or Gomer goes outside, and calls the kids, it is a prophetic word to the neighbors. And look at the three names. Jezreel. Jezreel! And... The Lord says, the reason I'm doing that is because one of the former kings of the north massacred righteous Jews and priests in the valley of Jezreel. And God's going to judge, judge them for it. So when he names Jezreel, people say, oh yeah, remember what happened up in and then had, had a had a little girl, Lo Ruhamah, and uh, in the Hebrew language, Lo means <laughs> or no, and Ruhamah, unloved. Ruhamah means loved, no love. That God's love 
is threatened by your harlotry and your perversion. So every time they call the kids in for supper, Jezreel, lo ruhamah, any neighbors that could hear, and wherever they go, maybe they're out in public. Have you ever had your parents call you when you're out in a public place when you were growing up? How did you know you were really in trouble when they called you? That's the reason you have a middle name. I knew I was okay if they called Kenneth. I was just about okay if they called Kenneth. But when they did Kenneth Charles, I wanted to run for cover because I was in a heap of trouble. So, in the same way that they would call for their children, if you remember, I remember the times when I was in a store and I had gotten away and, and mom, Kenneth Charles Keene, you get here. Oh, when you put the whole thing together. Everybody's looking for what kid comes out of the woodwork and comes up. They go, mm -hmm. that, that boy's in trouble. So as Hosea and Gomer are calling their children, it is a continual reminder that God is upset with the people of Israel. And then they had one more. One more. Lo Ami. You're all alone. You're an orphan. No, no attachment. No, no love, no attachment to you. You're an orphan. You distance yourself from your Heavenly Father. And so every time they call these things out, it was a reminder, it was a prophetic word. And wherever they would go, the, the children would grow, go, they were in the middle of that situation and their names were to remind them how far their country had drifted from God. You say, well that was kind of tough on the kids. It is tough on the kids when they live in a perverted society. Uh, one other thing about Jezreel, remembering the attack of Jehu, the king, against the, the righteous prophets, and there was a huge slaughter in the valley of Jezreel. It would be similar to remember the Alamo. What was the significance of that phrase? Remember the Alamo. Don't let it happen again. Yeah, don't let it happen again. And the Texans would, would use that as a rallying. Hey, don't let down your guard. You remember the you remember what they did at the Alamo.
been in that place where you considered yourself backslidden from God. Where you you drifted. You, you, you know, it wasn't necessarily intentional. But you wake up one day and say, oh, Lord's up there and I'm I'm way back here. You know, I'm, I can't even see Him. And going back to that illustration of being in a store when I was a kid, you why do kids get lost in stores? They get under their clothes. They get under their clothes. <laughs> they get under what they're bored. And they they, uh, they wander away. They wander away. They see shiny thing. You know, they they, they uh, become easily distracted. Uh, where's the last time you saw him? Well, we were walking through the toy aisle. Toy aisle. Oh, go back there. That's probably where he's at. Just we get distracted and we, God's moving on, or your parents were moving on through the store, but you weren't with them. I told you before about little Kipper, not the Kipper that attends here, little Kipper. He's a little baby. And uh, we were pastoring at Sugar Tree Ridge United Methodist Church. Southern Ohio, just outside of Hillsboro. And we had, the parsonage was right across the street from the little country church. And we finished up Sunday evening service and came home and were making something to eat because there was no place to go to eat anything in those days. And didn't have any money anyway. So came over and got in my pajamas, just kicking back a little bit, and I get a phone call. Pastor King? Yes. Yes. Uh, we, we think we left Kipper in the church. What? Well, we got home. You're about 20 minutes away. We got home to the farm, and, and uh, last time we remember him was he was asleep on the back pew. And we think we, we think we, we left him there. Could you go over and check? <laughs> you know. Now, I'm not that brave anyway, but we lived, it was out in the country. And our picture window looked, overlooked the cemetery next to the church with a creaking gate and all that. So I go over. There's no street lights out there. I go over, unlock the back of the church, trying not to make a lot of noise because if he was asleep, he's probably scared to death if he wakes up. So I go in, I turn the church lights on, there he is. Kipper's sound asleep on the back row. And so I, pre-cell phone, went back over. Yeah, he's here. Go back over. And, uh, Turned the lights out so he didn't wake up from that. And they came in very quiet. Well, thank you, Pastor. We feel really bad about this. Just imagine what he'll feel like. They, they, they never told him. They never told him that they forgot him. It wasn't intentional. They just got busy with other things. They had several other kids. They were trying to get them all. Backsliding is... Generally, not intentional, but it happens.
because we get distracted with other things. So, uh, Galatians 4, 8 and 9. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known beggarly element to which you worship and everything else, but uh, some of them are blending it back again. Why, why would you want to come out from that and then turn and go back to it? Doesn't make any sense. Galatians 5, 5 and 1. Stand fast, therefore, and deliver me where Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We need to stay delivered, but it happens. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I didn't decide that. for them to reflect 